Guys, we're, we're in a series in the mornings, um, and we will be for the next couple of months in the book of Exodus. Exodus is, is this wonderful, amazing cornerstone book of Scripture um, that we love teaching it to the kids, but when we come to it as adults, we're not looking for milk, we're looking for meat, and, and there's meat here, there's, there's food here for us. So grab a Bible, um, turn your phone on, get the Bible up on your phone. We're going to read a few verses from Exodus chapter 3. Listen now for the Word of God. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Persites, Hivites, Jebusites. We tip, and you get a list like that in the Bible, just say it really quickly and nobody argues with you. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Let's pray for a moment, and then we're going to just unpack a little bit of this story. Father, we thank you for your word that is living and sharp as a double-edged sword. And we thank you that, that to even today, even today with distractions, even today with, with everything going against us to throw us off our stride, even today your word speaks to us. Your word points to you. And as we read it, you move amongst us by your spirit. And we welcome you to come and teach us, Lord. We welcome you to come and shape us. We welcome you to come by your grace, by your mercy, by your power, and transform us this morning. And we are hungry for you. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, on... We're kind of more or less back on time. We did well there, didn't we? It's good. Um, we'll probably still finish late, just warning you. On Thursday, 
Thursday, my day, was a bit of a train wreck. It was just carnage. There were so many things going on. Uh, maybe you've had a day like that this week, but uh, I came into the office at three o'clock. I had 10 different thoughts in my head, and I had my phone out, and I was trying to answer an email and a text at the same time. Don't, I, I don't even know how I was trying to do it, but I was trying to do this, and I had other things in my head I had to do. Susan was in the office, and I kind of walked in, said hello to her, walked around, and if you've seen the office over there, there's a table and three or four chairs around it. And I walked across, and I would, 10 things in my head, typing away, typing away. Out of the corner of my eye, saw the edge of the chair, went to sit down. What I didn't realize was the edge of the chair was actually the shelf on the photocopier. <laughs> yep. I went right down, like a sack of spuds. The shelf and the photocopier came down on top of me, separated from the photocopier. And I'm lying on the ground going, what just happened? I didn't break text. I was still texting. But I was like, what just happened? What just happened? And Susan, bless her, just looked over with this compassion and concern on her face. And she said, my photocopier. <laughs> she didn't. She said, are you okay? And then she said, my photocopier. She's a good person. <laughs> I was so focused on what I was trying to do. I missed something that was really important. And I think sometimes our lives are like that. Our weeks are like that. And even when we come to church, it can be like that. We can be so focused on the things that we're trying to do that we miss something that God is trying to do or show us or reveal to us. We come to church today, and okay, this morning probably wasn't the best example of it because there was ladders and wires and different things going on. Um, but normally when you come into church, you come with an expectation, don't you? You come with an expectation that we're going to sing songs about God to God. We're going to praise and worship. <coughs> Excuse me. You come with an expectation that we're going to pray. You come with an expectation that we are going to learn something as we open God's Word together. I hope after a couple of years of this that we have an expectation of God's presence amongst us, His Spirit moving, resonating with the tender spots in your life, speaking to the doubts and the questions that you have, hearing from God, encountering God. I think most of us come with some level of expectation around those things, don't we? That's fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. But what about tomorrow? We have that expectation as we come into church, but what about tomorrow? Whether you're a, a barista or a doctor or a teacher or a parent, whether you're retired or a student, what does your week look like this week? What's on your agenda? What's maybe bubbling in the back of your head even now this morning? Things you have to do. And, and I wonder in the midst of your diary coming out and you looking ahead at the week that you have, your Monday to Friday week, do you have the same expectation of encounter with God? <clears throat> of meeting with God, of partnership with God, of God working in you and through you to release His hope and His purposes into the world around you? Or like me, on Thursday, are you so consumed with the, the 10 things and the text message, the email, the social media, all those things that you, you sit on the photocopier 
rather than see what's really obviously in front of you? Do you miss what God is trying to do in you, around you, and possibly even through you? This story of Moses and the burning bush, I was really struck by something in it this week as I looked at it. It didn't happen in church. I, I, I know that sounds really obvious, but you know, for 39 years, almost 40, not quite, um, 39 years, I've read this story and haven't really been rattled by it, you know, and, and missed this really obvious thing. This story didn't happen in church. It didn't happen in the context of worship in, in any way at all. Where, what was Moses doing when this happened? One of the most profound encounters with God recorded in Scripture. Where was Moses when it happened? He was at work. He, was at work. he wasn't at his quiet time. He wasn't uh, in church, temple, synagogue, and got there. Those things weren't even invented at that stage. He was at work. He was working as a shepherd, bringing his sheep through the wilderness, trying to find pasture and grassland for them. He was at work. And, you know, I, I, I want to just throw something out that's really logical and really obvious, and you know it, but I want to state it just at the start of this sermon. God was there in Moses' place of work. And when you go into your Monday tomorrow, whatever that looks like, God is there. The psalmist says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of the earth, you're there. If I go to the west, if I go to the east, you're there. And even if I go to my office tomorrow, God, you are there. God is there waiting for you to arrive. And not only that, he, he is moving, he is working we have a sense sometimes that, that what God does within these walls and through these walls is, is more significant than what He does in the classroom or what He does in the university or what He does in the coffee shop or what He does in the doctor's surgery or what He does in the office where you work. But that's just not the case. Jesus says in John 5, 17, my Father is always at work. God is everywhere all of the time. And Jesus says, my Father is always at work. God is at work in the place where you're going to work tomorrow. And could it be, could it be 1,500 years of Bible history, 2,000 years of history beyond that up to this point for all of that time, God has worked in His people and through His people to fulfill His purposes and His plans in the real world. Could it be that tomorrow when you go into work, God is trying to get your attention because He wants to work in you and through you in your place of work? For 40 years, Moses grew up in the palace in Egypt. He was a Hebrew baby. Uh, there was an order for genocide of all the Hebrew baby boys to kill them all. Um, Moses' mother hid him in a, a basket of rushes in the Nile. Pharaoh's daughter saw him, took pity on him, adopted him. 
into her own family and raised him as if he was a prince in Egypt. Most of you know this story. It's a phenomenal story. If you don't know it, go away and read it. But for 40 years, Moses grew up in this place of privilege and opportunity. And yet one day when he was 40, he was out walking around and he saw an Egyptian slave master oppressing one of his people. And this desire was birthed within him for for justice, for freedom for his people. And And he stepped into the situation and he intervened and he ended up killing the Egyptian And then everything exploded, and he was going to get in trouble for it, and he ran. He had this desire birthed within him to liberate the people and stop their suffering, and yet it all went wrong because he tried to do it in his own terms, and he ran, he ran to the wilderness, he ran to Midian. And for the next 40 years, he loved his wife. For the next 40 years, he raised his two children. For the next 40 years, he, he worked a simple life as a shepherd, working hard, spending a lot of time on his own because that was the life of a shepherd. And during those second 40 years of his life, God shaped his heart and his character and his humility, and God prepared him to be the man to carry the dream that was birthed within him 40 years ago. Forty years previously, he had had this desire to bring justice and liberation and freedom, but he, he didn't do it right. He tried to do it on his own. But 40 years later, after God's working gently in his life, he, he then has the maturity and the wisdom and the character and the heart to be the leader that God wants him to be. And, and for some people here, Maybe this is something for you, and I'm not going to unpack this. Maybe this is something for you. Maybe you're at a stage of life where you think there's more behind me than there's ahead of me. And maybe when you were younger, you had ideas, you had dreams, you had things that you felt God had given you that he wanted you to do, and they never happened. And maybe, just maybe like Moses, what he's been doing in that wilderness period is shaping your heart. And as we step into a new season, maybe this is the moment, maybe this is the time that God is going to work through you to bring those dreams to a fruition? Are there dreams that you've parked? I wonder. Moses brings his sheep deeper into the wilderness than he normally goes. He ends up in this little hollow on top of a mountain. The hollow is called Araha, and it is three little summits in, the, in this little hollow. And these are the distinguishing marks of the mountain, Mount Horeb, or Mount Sinai, as it's sometimes called, the mountain of God. Three little summits that mark the top of this mountain. And it's here that Moses sees this bush that is burning with fire, but isn't turning to ash, isn't being destroyed, isn't being consumed. And as I've been leaning into this story all week, there's there's something I've seen, and I'm sharing this with you as a question and not as a statement, so, so hear that, please. Moses, in this place of encounter with God, he, he sees fire that burns but doesn't destroy, doesn't consume. And we see fire like that again in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit comes in tongues of fire and rests 
on the believers that are there as a sign of anointing, and it doesn't burn them, it doesn't destroy them. But the fire symbolizes the Holy Spirit in that moment. And then we're told that um, he sees an angel of the Lord within the flames, and then later it says it was the Lord himself. And, and commentators, all kinds of commentators from all kinds of Christian backgrounds, what they say is it's not actually an angel, it's what we call a theophany. God appearing on earth in human form. And as we read through the Bible, we see other occasions like this with Abraham and the three visitors, with Melchizedek when he meets him again. And as you go further through the Bible, you come to a story where we call it the incarnation, where God appears on earth in human form and we call him Jesus. Are we looking at a pre-incarnate Christ appearing to Moses in the wilderness? And then a voice, a voice speaks to Moses, and the Father's voice that we heard speaking from the heavens at Jesus' baptism, this is my Son whom I love, in Him I am well pleased. The voice from heaven that spoke at the transfiguration on the mountain. Are we seeing the Trinity appear to Moses in this moment? It's a question to ruin your Sunday afternoon and to wreck your head a little bit. And the voice that he hears, is it audible? I, I don't know. I've never heard God speak in an audible voice before. Some people I know and trust have. I've never experienced that. We're talking about the Alpha Course and an invitation to come to the Alpha Course. One of the sessions on the Alpha Course is, how does God guide us? And, and within that, they talk about five different ways that God communicates to us. All start with the letter C, commanding Scripture, because primarily, most often, and most reliably, God speaks through His Word, undeniably. Commanding Scripture, compelling Spirit, how the Holy Spirit speaks into your conscience in very subtle ways and reveals God's will and purposes to you and guides you, and sometimes maybe in more dramatic ways through words and visions and dreams. Commanding Scripture, compelling Spirit, counsel of the saints. How often does God speak through a Christian friend? That the wisdom they give to you just seems to land in your life. And it feels divine like God's fingerprints are all over it. Through common sense, God, God made you. He gave you the ability to choose right from wrong. Common sense, personal wisdom. Let's not dismiss that. That is still God guiding us and speaking to us. And then circumstantial signs. You ever walk through Orangefield Park and, and just lift your head and to see the beauty and the brokenness of the city and all of a sudden... Find yourself compelled to pray because God draws your heart to Him. You ever find that? Or in the morns or at the beach and you start thinking about God because the wonder of nature around you. All these different ways that God speaks to us. And that day in the wilderness, God speaks to Moses and Moses goes, I must go have a look at that. And he walks across 
to have a look at this burning bush. And I, I have a question for you. Is the miracle the burning bush? Or is the miracle that Moses noticed? We have, uh, well, the last Saturday, two Saturdays ago, um, I decided that, you know, I've been here over a year now in Orangefield, and um, I quite like it, and I would like to stay. So uh, I thought to myself, what I'll do is I'll hang some pictures. I hadn't put any nails in the wall of the manse yet, just in case, but we have now hung some pictures in the manse, so, you know, we're, we're going to stay for a while. <laughs> I actually did hang some pictures last Saturday. Uh, and one of the pictures we, we hung, uh, I had a photograph of it, but I'll show you it another time. It's a print of Titanic and the blueprints for Titanic, you know, the ship. And it's a really ordinary picture. It's a really ordinary picture. It was a gift to me from a guy in Cumber when I worked there. It's a really ordinary picture, and you can go online and buy it, and it's only a couple of quid. It's not dear. And you think, why would you put that up in your hallway? It's the first thing people see when they walk in. And what makes that picture significant, you not see it from a distance and you not see it walking past. You have to stop and go over to it and look at it really carefully. Because in the corner of the picture, what the guy had done was he had got his hands on the, the paper stamp from Harland and, Wolf, Harland and Wolf Drawing Offices. And he had him, oh, there it is there. Huh. There you go. Talking like you couldn't see it. But not, not, not the ink stamp. But in the other corner, bottom corner, you can't even see it on this here picture. The paper is embossed with the stamp of Harland and Wolf drawing offices. And that's what makes it unique. That's what makes it special. And yet if you walked past and didn't stop to notice and have a look, you wouldn't see how significant that is. And it would continue to be significant, just you wouldn't be included in the significance of it. Does that make sense? I love the quote by Elizabeth um, Barrett Browning. You've maybe heard it before. She says, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afar with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pick blackberries. Isn't that a wonderful quote? What if, there's lots of questions this morning, I'm making you work this morning. What if in our everyday going to work, dropping the kids off, drinking coffee, watching Netflix, ordinary everyday life, what if God is constantly trying to get your attention? What if? What if? And when we think back into it, we see it. In the birth of a child, how many families have disconnected from church and yet when their child is born, God gets their attention and they think, I must start bringing my child to church. God catches their attention in that interruption in their life. Do you see that? We don't always talk about it that way, but that's what's happened. Or in the suffering of a friend, do you ever stand with somebody at the coffee break in work or in a coffee shop or maybe even after the service and they, they share something with you about, about a disappointment, a pain, an illness that they have 
or that a loved one has. And as they're talking, your attention suddenly gets drawn to God, and you have this urge to pray for them. You ever experienced that? How God interrupts your life in that moment? Or in the crossroads of a big decision, and we find ourselves looking to God and praying and asking for direction for an answer, or simply out walking the dog, consumed with the million things in your head, and all of a sudden a butterfly lands on a leaf in front of you, and you're stopped, and you're blown away by the beauty of God's creation. You ever have that? If God interrupts your routine, if God interrupt your life, interrupting your life. And these moments of interruption that often we try to rush past because they weren't in our diary. We hadn't scheduled them. We didn't plan for them. These moments, every one of them are pregnant with the possibility that the presence of God brings. I know that's a lot of peace. Every one of them. Why is God so, so keen to get our attention? Well, well, two reasons. One is friendship. Moses is called a friend of God. God's desire is, is for us to know Him, to be in relationship with Him, to be, to be friends with Him. And I don't mean that in any sense in a disrespectful way. But from Adam and Eve in the garden, right through the Bible, we see God again and again and again revealing Himself to His people. Not because God needs our friendship, but because He knows our lives will be better when we step into friendship with Him. And if you doubt that for a second, go to, to the point in the Bible that holds everything else together, the cross of Jesus Christ, and you see God's Son coming and dying on a cross and taking the sins of the world and doing everything that is necessary for you this morning to say, God, I need your forgiveness. I want your friendship in my life. This whole story of Scripture is an invitation to know God. It's an invitation into friendship with God. Why does God do this for friendship? Why does God do this for partnership? Throughout the Bible, and from what I can see throughout history, God has fulfilled His purposes in the world often by working through his people. The people who open their hands and say, I am here for you, God. Use me in whatever way you want. The people who lay their lives before God, who bring their decisions, their choices before God, God works in them and through them to fulfill his purpose. That's why Paul says to Timothy, you are saved and we get saved. We get saved. We do saved really well in Northern Ireland. You are saved and called according to my purposes. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says. So what, is it, what does it look like? What does Moses do in this moment? Let me get some more water. I had a lot of garlic last night, so don't get too close. What does Moses do? God interrupts him at work. He invites him to come close. What does Moses do and what can we learn from looking at what Moses does in this divine interruption? Three things. Lean in, look up, step out. 
lean in. Think of, think of Samuel in the temple as a young boy, and he hears this voice calling his name, and he goes to the old priest Eli, and he says, um, you know, you called, you called, you called. Three times he goes to him and asks, and then he looks to God. He hears his voice being called. He looks to God, and he says, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. He leans in. Look at Peter in the boat, and he sees Jesus walking to him on the water. What does he do? He says, Lord, tell me if it's you. Tell me it's you, and I'll come to you. He, he leans in. He creates expectancy. He leans in. And Moses, as he steps towards him, God says, take your shoes off, because where you're standing is holy ground. And Moses stops. He takes his shoes off, and he walks closer. He leans in. He comes forward with expectation. What we see with these guys in the Bible, they're able to recognize the sacred in the midst of the secular, the miraculous in the midst of the mundane, the present, His presence, God's presence in the present moment that they're in. And they ask the question, God, if it's you, show me what you're doing. God, is it you? And they lean in with hunger and they lean in with expectation. Guys, recognize the moments of interruption in your routine and don't be scared to ask the question, God, is this you trying to get my attention? Don't be scared to ask it. And then they look up. Moses looks up. How do you know it's God? Um, like, I have a crazy imagination. I can think of all things, dream all sorts of things. How do, how do you know when it's God and when it's not just the, the, the too much garlic you had the night before or the bit of bad cheese or wh whatever it is? How do you know that it's God? I read a quote by a comedian this week. It said, um, how come when we talk to God, we call it praying, and when God talks to us, we call it schizophrenic? I thought it was a good quote. She was poking fun being provocative. How do you know that it's God? This is really important. You will recognize that it's God because you recognize Him from His Word. You will recognize that it is God because you will recognize Him from His Word. Moses comes forward He's got to have had doubts. He, he must have had questions. He must have. He must have. But Moses comes forward, and God identifies himself to Moses through his word. He says, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He uses a phrase that Moses would have heard before that he would have known, a phrase that had been passed down in the oral tradition of the day around Hebrew campfires as they talked about the God of creation and the God of the, the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the phrase that is, that is in Scripture because God wanted it in Scripture to identify himself. In that moment where Moses may have had doubts and questions and thinking, have I been out in the sun too long? Is this heat stroke? God identifies himself to Moses through his word. And that's crucial, absolutely crucial. And that's why it's absolutely essential 
that every single one of us, as we cultivate our friendship and our relationship with God, and we do that in worship like this, but even more so, we do it devotionally, early in the morning, late at night, as we open our Bibles, as we pray, as we do those simple practices that Christians have been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years, we start to recognize God through His Word. We recognize His presence through His Word. We recognize Him speaking to us through His Word. So during the week, when He interrupts us in our everyday life, we will recognize Him because we know Him through His Word. Does that make sense? I want to say that really clearly. As we learn to hear God's voice, as we learn to trust Him and follow Him and step out and and do all those things, we must never, ever go beyond what Scripture reveals to us about God. This is the fullest revelation of who God is and what God does. We must never step beyond what God reveals of Himself through His Word but equally don't settle for anything less. Don't expect anything less. Lean in. Look up. Step out. Because on this journey of discipleship, that we're, for Christians, we're already on it. He invites us to step outside our comfort zones. He invites us to step into new places, to do things that yesterday we thought we couldn't do. That's what this story of Moses is all about. We're going to read on in this story. Um, Tonight, we're going to see uh, how God reveals himself through his name. Tracy's preaching. It's going to be amazing. Next week, Gary's opening up. He's going to look at the doubts that Moses has in his call to leadership. God invites Moses to do something that he tried to do 40 years before and it went wrong. And and he didn't try to do it again. He, He ran away. God's inviting Moses to trust him and to take a risk and to step out and to follow where God asked him to go. And God's asking him to go back to the place that he is most scared to go. It's an incredible story. It's an incredible story we're going to go on. And as you put your hand in God's, as you say, listen, I'm open to your interruption. Speak to me, Lord. He's going to invite you to trust him and take risks and step out. Maybe that's sharing your faith with someone. Maybe it's asking someone would they like to become a Christian. Maybe it's simply inviting them to come to Alpha. Maybe it's practicing radical generosity. Maybe it's opening your home to to people and welcoming them in. Maybe it's adopting a child. Maybe it's praying for healing. Maybe it's I don't know what. But as you open yourself up to his interruption, as you learn to recognize his voice in Scripture, I promise you this, you can trust him. You can trust him because he is God and he is good. We are going to pause and we're going to pray. I'm going to invite some of the band to come and join us. Just take a moment.
And I simply want to give you a moment to reflect. Just on the back of this morning's teaching, before we rush on into activity, just to pause. Ask God in a moment of quietness to show you over this past week where he was trying to get your attention. Those moments where you thought, I wish I'd done this or said this, or maybe, or if only. Think back through your conversations at work, your times with family, even your moments on your own. Could there have been moments in your past week where God was trying to get your attention? And we do this not to feel guilty. We do this so we can learn for next time. So look into the week that you've got coming ahead. Think about the appointments you have and the things that lie before you. Are there things that God might be, even now, asking you to trust him in? An invitation, a conversation, maybe a prayer with someone? Or an act of generosity? Holy Spirit, this week, won't you help us to be really intentional in our quiet times? May they be rich as we meet with you and experience you speaking to us through your word. And Holy Spirit, may we recognize you interrupting us. Maybe not in, in, in huge, dramatic, burning bush moments, but maybe in sim- the simplicity of a conversation with a friend. Help us to recognize your presence. This morning, God, as I pray for, for our church, as I pray for myself, help us to be more sensitive to your Holy Spirit. And help us to trust you this week and to be brave with you this week. In Jesus' name.